Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. And today we are on episode 58. Stephen. Annette. We're going to Paris. Oh, is, that, is that the right way now to I say it? I did, I know. Can we crack on? I learned years ago on a tour of Dublin, a ghost tour to be precise, that there are tunnels that run under the city. And I never gave it another thought until more recently, thanks to Stephen. I learned that one of the tunnels under our fair city reportedly runs from Customs House to the infamous Brothels of Monto, now Foley Street. Part of the tunnel was discovered near Talbot Street, but details of who used it and why, well, they're a whole lot more sketchy. I promise we will come back to that. That's going to take a whole other episode when I finish the book. But it made me wonder, how many other major cities are built above a whole other world? Edinburgh is a fine example of a city with a dark underbelly, but not so much tunnels. Boston has abandoned subway tunnels, and they are the oldest in the country. But Paris, oh, Paris has tunnels. About 20 metres under the city, a city famous for its art, culture, fashion, food and romance. I mentioned before that I visited Paris when I was 13 and far too young to appreciate any of the things I just listed. But even at 13 I knew it's very easy to get wrapped up in the romance of the city. The Eiffel Tower twinkles as the night devours the city. The aroma of fine cuisine infused in the night air can be captivating. With a population of over 2 million people, the city is always alive and bustling. But of course, me being me, it's the population of 6 million buried beneath the city that I wish I could speak to. Just in case you didn't catch the math, there are nearly three times more people beneath the city than living in it. Brace yourself, this episode is a whole lot of icky but spooky history. Built at some point in the 12th century, the Holy Innocent Cemetery in Paris was the largest graveyard in the city. But it wasn't long before the cemetery was at capacity and individual burial plots were becoming impossible to accommodate. So they did the only thing they could think of and decided to opt for multiple people sharing a grave instead. Now, be under no illusion that they had the luxury of burying families together and therefore some resemblance of respect for the dead was kept. That's not what I mean when I say sharing graves. There was just no room for that sort of emotion. Instead, 1,500 souls were buried in a mass grave together until the grave was full. And when it was, they'd dig another and carry on. I couldn't find out the figures, but you can pretty much guess, between the bubonic plague and the Hundred Years' War, to name but a few population-altering events, that by the late 1700s, the Holy Innocent Cemetery was fit to burst. Now, I'm not going to get into the ideal conditions required for a body to decompose properly, but let's just say this was not ideal. The cemetery was so full of half-decomposed bodies, buried not quite far enough beneath the surface, that it was said that the air within the graveyard had the power to spoil milk and rot meat. So instead of decomposing completely, as a body buried correctly should, those buried in the cemetery slowly turned into something I don't want to describe, but a part of what was left behind is known as corpse wax. 
I know, yuck, but necessary for the story. And then it got worse. Remember when I said the place was fit to burst? That wasn't just an expression. In 1780, it did burst. The basement wall of a neighbouring building collapsed under the weight of the buried bodies, of which many spilled out into the poor neighbour's basement. Why am I telling you all the yucky history that frankly no one wants to picture when they think of Paris? Because sometimes when people do crazy things, it's good to know a little bit about what drove them to make that decision. King Louis XVI needed a plan to rid the city of an ever-worsening problem. He couldn't just leave the bodies there and find somewhere else to bury the future daily departed. You see, the area surrounding the Holy Innocent Cemetery and other cemeteries like it had become uninhabitable areas and businesses found it impossible to run daily operations. So what do you do when you have a seemingly hopeless problem? Bury it deeper. Over the next few years, bodies from the Holy Innocent Cemetery and others across the city were exhumed and relocated to a series of caverns and tunnels beneath the city itself. In a super gross, some would say entrepreneurial move, Paris's soap boilers and chandlers were more than happy to relieve city officials of the tons and tons of corpse wax left over, turning it into thousands of candles and bars of soap to be sold back to the city's residents. To begin with, the bones of the exhumed were just put into giant piles underground. I imagine it was a large undertaking that there was just no time to place them in any ceremonious way. To avoid scaring the city's respectable citizens, the bones were carried at night. It's hard to imagine such a procession with priestly robes floating by torchlight, accompanied by the squeal of heaving carts and the whispering blessings of the clergy. In 1810, the city did decide to reorganise things better. And I don't mean neat stacks or anything like it. Remember, Paris is one of the fashion and design capitals of the world. So, in true Parisian fashion, the officials in charge arranged the bones themselves to build ornate and elaborate designs. They became known as the catacombs, after the catacombs in Rome. However, Rome meant for their tombs to be a place of burial. Paris just plumb ran out of space. The Paris catacombs opened to the public on July 1st, 1809, and were known to create a stir amongst those who visited. Yes, people travelled to see bones arranged in pretty designs. One would think it would be part of Parisian history that is hidden, denied and purposely forgotten, but honestly, I think it's beautiful in a macabre kind of way. And the Parisians are quite proud of the catacombs. Plus, there's a creepy amount of strange noises, sightings, and voices whispering sweet nothings in your ear. According to the legend, travelling through the catacombs after midnight is when the walls begin to talk. It's said, disembodied voices will try to persuade you to venture even deeper into the catacombs until you can't find your way out again. Some say it's restless spirits looking for company. During the French Revolution, a man named Philibert Aspart was a doorman of the Val de Grace Hospital. Some reports say he was on a mission to fetch a certain bottle of liqueur from a cellar. Philibert ended up entering the Paris catacombs by accident after taking a staircase located in the hospital's courtyard. Walking around in the pitch black catacombs alone with just a single candle, 
Philibert became lost and confused. Eventually, his candle went out and everything turned to black, making it impossible for him to escape the deep darkness of the catacombs. His body was found 11 years later by a group of cataphiles, that's the name given to people who study and explore the Paris catacombs regularly. They were only able to identify him by the hospital key ring hanging from his belt. He's buried in the catacombs, in the exact place he died, with a tombstone describing his death. I think his bones are one of the few bones down there that were never moved from somewhere else, which I suppose is why the cataphiles and catacomb folklore say that every 3rd of November, not sure why that date, but Philibert's ghost haunts the labyrinth of catacombs, possibly still looking to find his way out. In the early 1990s, a group of cataphiles were walking through the dark chambers of the ossuary when they found a video camera on the ground, and to their surprise, the footage was salvageable. As they watched, they heard disturbing noises and could tell that the man holding the camera was lost and had no idea how to escape. The longer they watched, the more it became clear the man was going mad in the dark underground network of tunnels. The video ends abruptly with the man dropping his camera to the ground. To this day, no one knows who he was or even if he managed to get out alive. Again, Bear in mind, this was the 90s. There were no camera phones, barely camcorders that fit in the palm of your hand, and they weren't cheap. So to leave it behind seems awfully bizarre if it was a joke or a hoax. Many believe that the movie As Above, So Below was inspired by this tragedy. I watched the trailer. It seems like a Blair Witch-style movie, but holy forking meatballs, it gets super intense and creepy, so no watching in the dark for me. It looks great, though. If you've seen it, let me know if you think I'll survive it. And then in 2004, when a group of police officers exploring a part of the Paris catacombs restricted to the public, discovered something strange. The first thing they uncovered, or more likely set off, was a PA system playing a pre-recorded guard dog's barking, which they later deemed was a type of warning system, a way to inform them, whoever they were, that someone else was coming. They also uncovered a 3,000 square foot gallery wired with pirated electricity for phone use. The officers also found a bar, living area, workshop, lounge and even a cinema with room to seat 20 people. The cinema seats had been carved into the stone of the catacombs. The creepiest part of all though was that they discovered cameras on the ceiling recording them. The police were only doing a routine check of the catacombs, so decided to do a full investigation a few days later with the help of a larger team. However, on their return, everything they discovered from the phone lines to the Paris catacomb cinema vanished. The only thing that remained was a note that read, and excuse my butchered French, Ni chercheurs pas, which translated to don't search. It's a simple journey should you choose to go, beginning with a corkscrew staircase that plunges you 20 metres underground. After the spinnies have stopped and you've regained your composure, you have time to look around a well-lit room filled with information and displays. You then begin your walk through a small entrance that leads into the catacombs, walking under a sign that reads, Stop. This is the Empire of Death. If you still go in after that, let me know how it goes because I would need to be sedated to go any further. 
what you think of that story? That was really cool. It was really good, wasn't it? Was it? Very yeah. I yeah. ended up here. I, I planned to do the, the Paris catacombs for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I, I needed to make sure that I had enough time to do it. The only reason I actually decided to do it this week is because I saw the book that you gave me and then I was so tempted to watch a YouTube video and then I realised, no, the book will probably tell me way more than anybody else because everybody gives a shorter version. Like, this is a shorter version than some of the um, podcasts that I've listened to or YouTube videos that I've watched on the Paris Catacombs. So everyone gives a shorter version. The book is called To Hell or Monto. I'm so looking forward to read it because Dublin has such a seedy, dark history. It's so good, though. But yeah, that was creepy, wasn't it? It was very good. It was, it was very weird. creepy. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of other stories that I didn't really quite know how to fit into this. So I'll just run through them. It's just really quick points. So the tunnels were never actually meant to be what they were used for. They were actually mining tull- tunnels. A lot of the buildings in Paris. In fact, most places So the tunnels the were there already. Yeah. So they had these tunnels in the ground and they go, let's put a lot of bodies in here. They were mining tunnels. So basically... Probably mining their own business. If you look yeah. at... If you look at... A lot of the buildings in Edinburgh, if you look at a lot of the buildings in parts of Germany, if you look at a lot of the buildings in Paris. So instead of finding materials from countries other than their own or from far away, because it was too costly, Mm. what they would do was they'd mine under the city, take all of what was there and then build all their buildings with it. The only problem is after a little while, you kind of you can only mine so much. Yeah. And then the foundations start to completely lose their foundations really um there was one incident in the 16 1800s uh where a whole house was lost just vanished in a hole in the ground gone is that in paris Mm -hmm. so then uh i think it's that king in particular had to put a a stop to all the mining which was fine because then they found a completely other different use for it um the distance available to the public is 1.5 kilometers that's not that's not a small amount like when we went to visit Cumberland Road, yeah. Yeah. By the time we walked around, we probably covered a kilometre or two. Yeah, easy, easy. But it's 1.5 of potentially... Now, the figures were mixed, so a lot of places, a lot of resources that I found said over 200 miles, and a lot of other places said not quite 350 kilometres. Now, 200 200 miles is about 320, so in and around that amount. So in the early to mid 300 kilometres. Yeah. That's a, that's a it's like the whole city under the city it's well, crazy you know you, you, you got a lot you need that much space you're gonna have a I cinema know. a bar <laughs> there's like raves and everything held down there but they're all hush hush like you have to have a certain password to yeah. to get invited to these kind of things and um, the next thing it's kind of like the raves up in uh, Hellfire yeah, yeah 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 uh, the next thing I thought was cool there I thought you'd find it interesting because it's the ideal conditions for it's dank and damp and dark uh, in the 19th century, a man named Monsieur Cambry was exploring the catacombs when he discovered a patch of mushrooms growing. So he decided to, he planted his own crops and then soon other people started to do the same thing. And now there's a big, is a part of the Horticulture Society of Paris. I think that's oh, yeah. really cool. I didn't know how to fit that into the story either. Um, the process took 12 years. process of moving the rains from yeah. Why? Imagine looking out your window for 12 years though going mom I swear to god every night there's a bunch of priests going up and down this road no love no you're crazy don't be worrying It's just slightly off topic but it reminds me of who's that Scottish probably the most famous Scottish comedian Billy Connolly Come on uh, and he was transporting uh, between the hospital and the morgue I think it was or something along them lines so he had a cart 
and he moved the bodies but <laughs> one day for the laugh he had loads of different people and stuff mm. uh, so instead of uh, just doing them one at a time he put one out with like one leg was out hanging off the edge at one end of the cart and another leg hanging off the other and then way up the top of the cart there was an arm hanging out <laughs> and, and he just put a sheet over it and it looked like a big giant body oh god and uh, apparently he got into some trouble yeah I can imagine he did yeah. but sure look at um, Trans Allegheny was it Trans Allegheny that we covered or was it one before that they had uh, a special shaft or a special lift Shut only <laughs> only used for transporting dead bodies because they knew it was just such a it was such a morbid thing for patients to have to look at while they were trying to get better 45 degree angle tall. yeah 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 the next thing there I thought this was uh, it's absolutely criminal but I think it's brilliant in 2017, a group of criminals used the catacombs to pull off the biggest wine heist in recent history. The thieves in question drilled into a mine cellar of one of the catacombs and made off with 300 bottles of vintage wine reportedly worth 250 grand. Each bottle's probably worth about eight or 900 quid. Okay. Now, that's assuming that it's all the same bottles of wine. There's probably one bottle in there for like three and a half grand or something or it's like a, 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 a couple unique of, year or something a couple of student wines thrown in there <laughs> 995 Tesco I special I just thought that was madness because when you buy a property in Paris you actually brought you buy the mine or the catacomb space underneath it as well so technically if you go into any part of the Paris catacombs that is not already available to the public you're technically trespassing because it's basically like walking into somebody's basement now not every house has a staircase to their basement there is one guy who said to frequent the catacombs twice a week for whatever reason i don't know he he built a staircase from like his basement down into the catacombs and he just you know wanders around and takes note himself and makes out a map or whatever now in fairness he leaves a breadcrumb trail or a, a string or you'd something like to think so there is actually another heist um this group the, their cataphiles as well they broke into the i want to say it's the telecommunications office and they stole the complete map of the tunnels and every time they went in somewhere new or they ventured into a tunnel that they'd never been before they added it to the map so they have this massive map and they're probably the only people who actually hold this map of the entire catacombs all two the, the to three hundred yeah not the same wine guys i think they had different interests oh, in yeah, yeah. Um, but um was the map stolen stolen before or after the wine if it was after it was probably by the same people who got I, drunk and went i have a great idea well i was thinking that they stole the map so they could find out where the wine is oh i never thought of that this is why you'd make a better criminal than well, me actually no you wouldn't you can't lie no, you're I'm terrible. Not, I'm terrible. I I'd rob the place blind, <laughs> and then I'd be standing there. Was it you? We have no evidence to prove it, but wasn't you'd you? be a great project like, manager. You'd yeah. be like the best person to go. Okay, everybody's designated jobs. Go, go, go! The whole thing would be done, and then you'd be like, "I did it. I'm so sorry." I'd love to get that in digital form and superimpose it or export it into a GIS application and see yeah. exactly what houses I'm are dying on. to see, but I I suppose that's probably why they can't put it up online because I saw one. Oh, it's a major security. Oh, issue. huge GDPR! Like, come on. Not even that. It's like, oh, there's a big gaping hole under the ground. Under does this bank's fault? Yeah. Uh, let's just drill a foot wide hole and stick a hand up and take all the money. To be fair. Paris real estate is for the rich. 
if you can afford a property in Paris, you're doing very, very well for yourself. And people who do well off will have art, they'll have clothing, they'll have designer this, they'll have designer that, they'll have 300 bottles of vintage wine, they will have expensive things. And it's basically like, like the celebrity map that they hand you when you go to LA and you're like yeah. oh yeah go visit <coughs> such and such's house it's basically like that but you're just given the the basement directions um but yeah I just thought that was like there's there's so many stories that I probably left out there's been one recent I want to say in 2017 I thought I took it down I didn't it was either 15 or 17 two teenagers went missing for three days um luckily I think they had some stuff with them like snacks and water or whatever but chompers I, I used to go hiking they were life and it was like I just have a packed lunch but I just get like chompers for 10p 10 yeah, cents yeah, yeah. ago and I go in with a euro I get 10 of them yeah see I'm and, very controversial when it comes to chompers because I don't know anyone who ate them like I did because they were basically gooey bars I used to wrap them up in a swirl and just suck on them until they were gone I put the whole thing in my mouth. Oh, okay, so I'm not weird yeah, then. I'd be walking, I'd be walking along, and I just say to one of them, "Just grab a chopper out of my backpack there," because I didn't want to stop walking. No, because you have just, to take the whole gear off. I just shove it all into my mouth. I'm like, "Oh God, no, it's right." Um, yeah, but the I think it was sniffer dogs that eventually ended up finding the two kids. They were only gone for three days, but it's crazy to think the likes of your man who was the. Now I started to read up on him. He was the doorman but he was also down on his death certificate as a quarryman like it took 11 years to find him and it was still in the 1800s that he was found so it's not as if it was recent but the only reason they knew it was him was because of his key ring the thought of that like I actually fell down a rabbit hole this week and the reason being was I kind of thought to myself what does fear make your brain do like fear is one thing when you can see what you're looking at but imagine, remember we were talking the other week there about going into the caves. I found out afterwards where they were, but now I can't remember. I think it was, oh. The Aloe Caves in, I want to say Kilkenny. I want to say Kilkenny too. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that they did with us when we were there was they brought us in and they brought us through all these different turns and tosses. And you didn't realise how many turns you had made until you realised it was pitch black the minute they turned the lights off. And I never realised what pitch black really felt like. But imagine being in the catacombs and I was thinking, I think I'd be all right as long as I had my phone torch or even the illuminated light off the or even the illuminated light off the screen of my phone. I'd be okay. And then I was like, this guy had a candle like you just coughed there. Imagine if you cough and you blow out your candle. Oh, detriment. Jesus, I didn't even think of that. Like he's in the tunnels completely by accident. He didn't go in there knowing where he was going. Okay, right. So Johnny down the way said to me that the liquor is in such and such. I need to take three left three more rights like he had absolutely no idea where he was to begin with and then the minute the the candle was gone like I can't imagine what that kind of fear even does to you and sure you know yourself when you panic your brain just doesn't work that's why my dad always says if there be panic let it be orderly panic and I'm like dad that's not quite how it works but okay have you any characters for me? I have one okay I have one for Philibert okay and I go straight away from using any characters that are play like Danish or subtitles because my good friend Mark gave out to me last week. <laughs> I don't think he gave out to you. He, I just think he didn't he know. He pulled me aside. He did he, not. No, he didn't. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, Henry Cavill because I think Mark will know who Henry Cavill is. Um, he's 
Superman and The Witcher. I think I, I like that. That would work. I know it wasn't like full of characters. No, it's good. Um, it was, it was uh, made up for in interestingness. That caught me there. What was it? The corpse wax and then making candles. Oh, Stephen. <laughs> Whatever entrepreneur thought of that idea so it has some serious issues that he needs I to work on. Shrek in my mind for some reason when he makes a candle. <laughs> <and zero Yeah. laughs> Um, no but I mean like I didn't want to go into the descriptions of what it actually rec- like I mean realistically there's a reason that we're buried six feet under because you know whatever but when you put a bajillion people in a hole together thinking that that's going to work but I mean Paris is so packed full and even nowadays it's a little bit you know better designed but back then they just built houses on top of houses on top of houses oh the mining is actually the reason why a lot of the buildings in paris don't go over a certain story because they can't have that much weight on the foundation oh yeah yeah that's irrelevant um, but it's still something interesting i thought but uh piling all these bodies in together and then just like a hope and a prayer like it was just and then to imagine walking downstairs <laughs> We've no milk in the pantry, or we have no cereal, or we have no flour. Mummy wants you to go downstairs to the basement, and you go down, and you're like, um, so the wall caved in, and there's a bunch of bodies down in the basement. Just somebody else want to go get the flour. But I made these lovely candles. <laughs> Would you like to know the rabbit hole I fell down? The catacomb hole you fell down. <laughs> the only reason I fell down this rabbit hole is because I actually started to think about, you know, the whole phone. I would be okay in a dark tunnel as long as I had my phone. And then I found this list on powerofpositivity.com. There's 50 of them. I'm not reading all 50. Okay. Um, I'll read out a few and we'll decide what makes the cut okay Uh, 68% of people suffer from phantom vibration syndrome the feeling that one's phone is vibrating when it is not I can honestly say I have that that I carry my phone in the same pocket all the time so I just get that little muscle just more so in jeans than any other trousers yeah yeah yeah. Um, human behavioural studies suggest that a person who loses their cell phone experiences a panic similar to a near death experience that's how I fell on this whole list I was like I wouldn't say it was near death but I've never had a near death experience well no sorry I nearly drowned but I wasn't really thinking of my phone when that was happening Romantic love is biochemically indistinguishable. I'm not emphasizing words, I'm just finding it really hard to say them. Mm-hmm. It's indistinguishable from having a severe obsessive compulsive disorder. This list got very dark very quick. Yeah, sure did. The brain treats rejection like physical pain. Hell yes, it does. Chocolate discharges the same chemical into your body that is produced when you start falling in love. See how we just took a look? Dopamine, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Depression is the result of overthinking. The mind creates problems that didn't even exist. Yeah. Uh, the next one there, don't come at me for this one. People who view TV crime shows consistently overestimate the frequency of crime in the real world. I don't think that's true. I think it just leaves me hyper vigilant and ready for action. We want to the next one before. <laughs> Memories get distorted over time. The average human has at least one false memory. Yeah. Um, when you remember a past event, you are actually remembering the last time you remembered it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, convincing yourself you slept well tricks the brain into thinking you did. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason we survived the first year with twins. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you sleep? Fine. Um, you can't multitask. Absolutely correct. <laughs> you want more choices and information than you can process. I hate choices. Tell me I can have A or B. Don't tell me there's 56 different types of donuts that I can have. Mm-hmm. 
Bite-sized chunks of info are best, which is why Stephen likes bullet points. I was just thinking about bullet points. Your mind wanders 30% of the time, which is why we always, nearly that always have... Your mind wanders at least 30% <laughs> of the time. Um, your favourite song is probably your favourite because you associate it with an emotional event in your life. Now, that one I'm not 100% sure if I agree with because one of my favourite songs is Sweet Disposition and the only reason I even knew that song existed was because of an AIB ad. Ah. I have no oh. idea why I love that, that song. No, no, that's not the one I think of. My favourite song currently is that Lizzo one. And it's my favourite one because it's catchy. <laughs> I really hope people know what it is. I don't. I don't listen to the radio. I'm not on, I'm not in, it's I'm not hip with the kids. It's on TikTok as well and she's doing the I'm ready. I don't know. No? Okay, I don't know either. Um, the type of music you listen to affects the way you perceive the world. So Stephen thinks of the world in TikToks. <laughs> the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient from the early 1950s. Now, I don't know if that means that people in the 1950s were cuckoo, kachoo, or that teenagers nowadays have it really freaking hard and we all yeah. just put it down to ah he just needs a bit of he's he's just quiet he's just sensitive don't mind him a hug longer than 20 this one you have to be careful with a hug longer than 20 seconds will release chemicals into your body to make you trust the person that you're hugging so if you really don't like someone and you get caught in an awkward hug uh, and the last one there, people are more honest when physically tired. That's why people confess things during late night conversations. So when you end up having drunk, deep, like deep and meaningful conversations, actually drunk and drink enables you to do things you wouldn't do when you were sober. So realistically, you're just a blubbering mess at three in the morning. I am. Yeah, you are. So that's the rabbit hole I fell down. Cool. Do you any questions? No. We finish up there, so? Uh, I think you should say your words. Okay. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Our socials are same as always. Uh, what's the story ghost on instagram and what's the story ghost at gmail.com if you have any personal stories and those are all my words exit jingle exit jingle i'm already <laughs> <laughs> so if everybody wants to just go listen to the lizzo song and then insert it in your brown brains at the end of that show bye, bye. i think you did a good rendition it was, it was i mean i don't know what it was but it was